Welcome to the One Solution Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to explore if there really is one solution to all the world's problems. And perhaps that solution lies in the mind. The mind is both the source of those problems, but also the solution to those problems. So um, the reason why we're doing this is just because we had a conversation with uh, your clients in exactly this setting, and it was amazing. Like They share so much cool stuff about what they've seen and what they learned. So we thought, let's hear it from the flip side. Let's hear it from you guys who's been helping them at different levels. So, and we asked them like what they've learned, what they saw about the potential and the hope for this, for themselves and for the world and for the opioid crisis. And it was all really good stuff. So I think for me, I think we would, we could begin by asking like, what do you guys do here at the Farnham Center and what effects have you seen from it so far? Yeah. How's it different maybe? Hi, um, I'm an outpatient clinician in one of the uh, centers at Farnham, and um, I see clients that come in um, at a large majority through an open access assessment um, at any point in their um, trying to get into a recovery program. So I will uh, speak with them and do a level of assessment um, evaluation with them, and um, we, I try to discuss what it is that we do here in addition to asking them the questions that will yield that assessment. And I can say that when I start talking about the program, their affect uh, seems to brighten up because they, they I, get, I feel a sense of hope that they have, that they hadn't had before. And sometimes they're homeless and sometimes they're professionals making a very good salary and have lost everything. So um, it doesn't discriminate, this addiction, disease. And I I connect very quickly. I feel that I connect with them on a level that they are able to share with me in that one hour that we're together um, their sense of um, desire to want to feel better, but yet not sure how to get to that point. And when I point to the fact that they have everything within themselves to do that, I see, I literally see a change in, in their face, in their affect. I have had clients who come in and sit in the chair in, in almost a fetus position and don't look at me throughout the whole time we're talking, but answer me. And then by the end, they're sitting with their feet on the floor with some hope. And um, I don't judge anyone. So I feel that they can tell that I don't judge them. And um, I ask a lot of questions, and they're very open to answering them. But one of the most important things that they ask me is, do I feel that there is hope for them because they have sometimes been through so much treatment and have relapsed? And the stigma and the shame um, that unfortunately uh, still exists in this world um, about the addiction disease, um, I, I, I comfort them with my words saying, if this was any other illness, you would not be asking me that question. You would be taking your medication perhaps or not, and um, you you are here. That is the first step. So let's start with what we're going to do today. We'll make a plan, and we will help you. And they're very thankful, and they, they are very um, – there's a lot of gratitude that comes from those assessments. I've done thousands of them. I'm here almost three and a half years. I, I'm very fortunate to, to come to work every day. Now, in, in the groups that I, I facilitate, I always feel bad when I say we're teaching this because teach comes out of my mouth. But I always say, 
I'm not teaching this. I'm just facilitating the group. We're going to have a discussion about the human operating system and understanding how we move around in our lives moment to moment and experience life from the inside out. Life doesn't happen to us. It's how we perceive what's going on in the moment. And I, I do three-hour groups. I was doing one-hour groups, depending on the, the type of group. Um, so it's great because they teach each other. They facilitate the group within each other. And everyone, it doesn't matter at what level they hear it or when, if it's their first group or their third time coming through the program, um, they get it. They get it, whatever that it is, because it's innate. And they realize that there's some sense of control back in their life, that they're not looking for the answers outside. Everything is from within, so they don't have to depend on anything other than their own wisdom and their own innateness. And I try to explain to them they're not broken and they don't need to be fixed. They're just further away from their innate health than they want to be. So I, I use a whiteboard and all kinds of PowerPoints, and I draw a little home base on, on the whiteboard, and they're just so happy to hear that, that they're, they're going to be okay. In that moment, they have this sense of relief. And it's very obvious to see because their facial expressions are, you know, like they're not, they're not tense and stressed and they're engaged and they're, they're curious and um, it, there's really a great connectedness. So um, I personally uh, have given examples, like Mara was saying, about my thoughts in the moment in my life and sharing appropriately with clients to kind of level the field, the, the playing field, because I say to them all the time, I am in this world like you are. I am here <laughs> to facilitate this. To, I don't have your answers. I don't have my answers. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful to share with you what I know. And, um, and then I give them, ex- literally, I give them real examples of how I'm caught up sometimes and how I can't get out of my own way, which... I really couldn't say it better than that. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could kind of piggyback on that. Um, what you were saying about clients sitting there and they're not broken, they don't need to be fixed, and they have everything they need. I'll have clients come in and we'll do something called a biopsychosocial assessment, which is a big fancy clinical way of saying they sit down and they tell me their life story. And uh, they'll tell me their life story and it'll be so filled with determination and hope and resiliency but the client can't see it yet they don't see it that way they see it as desperate and hopeless so I'll explain to them that they are um, not broken they don't need to be fixed and they have everything they need and sometimes just hearing that out loud they will break down in tears they'll be so overwhelmed because they knew this the whole time other times they'll say, Chris, I think you need a vacation. <laughs> or maybe you need a UA. Have you been listening? I'm a terrible person. And they don't see it yet. But usually within 28 days, they start to see it. They start to see it differently. They start to see their past differently and create a different relationship with the way that they experience things. And I get to be there that moment that they wake up to it. And it's, it's, it's really rewarding. It's like no other job I've ever had. I mean, I've taught... 12 steps I've taught in different places and using CBT and we tell the clients everything is wrong with them and everything they need to fix and that's just boring to me now. I have no interest in what's wrong with people anymore. It's just uh, it's not, not interesting anymore, I guess. May I add something? Yeah. I love saying the whys don't matter anymore because Cheryl said that one time and I, I love that. She said that. It does, the whys don't matter. It's where you are now. 
And that's not that we just say the past didn't exist or the future hasn't happened, so we don't have to plan, but we don't have to worry about it. But the whys of what happened, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's not going to change anything. And that was very, very empowering to them because they're so caught up sometimes in those, why did this happen? Why did they make those choices? Why, 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 why? And I'm like, but using your thought in the moment to think about that is not allowing uh, those aha moments to happen now or that quiet mind or whatever thought could come to you. So I love that because I always had to know, I always had to ask, I was trained to ask the client why. I was asked, well, how do you feel? No one ever said to me, ask them what they're thinking, what are their thoughts. They didn't back it up in all those years of training and schooling, and it's, it's incredible. Um, this is exactly where I should be in, in my education and career, and that's all I wanted to add. <laughs> it, it's interesting because you explain it so well that usually we look for what's wrong, and basically both of you said in your own ways that you just look, you both see what's right, like you see that in them, you're not really, your eyes aren't looking for what's wrong. So already there, you're, you're seeing what's right in them. And then you're kind of pointing that out to them. And that alone helps, like that alone, like lifts people's spirits. And then from there, you, you're, you're off to the races, basically. It's just a matter of time. So I love how, how simply they... Said it. it occurred to me like so many people that I've talked to that have worked in psychology or addiction that have worked with people with real deep troubles that said, but aren't you in denial? And what I realized when you just said that is the opposite is in denial of their health. Like it never really occurred to me like, no, we're not denying people's problems, but we sure as shit aren't denying them of their health. And just start there and assume that if you can help draw out the health in people, that the problems will start to get solved. But how do you help people solve their problems? When you start by denying the health, you go straight into the problem. (laughs) It just occurred to me, like, that's a dangerous kind of denial right there. So if any of you, all three of you, could speak to, you know, we really at One Solution are trying to show that this is a solution to problems that people are looking for a solution to. And they're banging their head against the wall going, this is out of control. This has gone crazy. We call it things like a crisis, an epidemic, all these big words that basically say this thing is bad and we don't have a solution for it. And we're saying, here's one, and it's working, right? And and I, I, I don't know much, but you mentioned before you you're in recovery yourself, 20 years sober. You guys have been working with clients. So, like, I'd love to hear you share, you know, are we just crazy excited about it? Or is it true that this really is a solution? Do you see that this solves addiction at the source? And can you say a bit about what you've seen about that and what you'd like the world to know about that? Yeah, I I would talk about like being a psychologist um, and doing this work for 30 years. I spent so many years trying to tell people what was good for them and how to do it. And like if you, you know, um, learn what your triggers are and learn what cravings are and you just figure out a plan, you're going to be okay. Honestly, uh, I believed it. Like, I, I was doing the best I could. I really believed, like, I was going to help people. I wanted to help people, and I had nothing else at my... 
I had nothing else. I had what I learned. I had some books. I had some, you know, I could do some reading. But what I what I realized when, you know, you watch people come back and, you know, something's in there saying, this isn't it. You know, I don't know what is, but this isn't it. Um, and so I spent my whole career searching for something that would be it. And um, when this, for me, just was kind of like, my moment of like, I spent all these years trying to find a way to be peaceful, to be calm, to be happy. I'm out searching. I'm going to Kapala. I'm going every all over the country. I'm going to go to Machu Picchu. I'm going to walk. Something's going to give me that. It's out there. I know it is. Although everything I listened to, read, was like, it's within. It's within. But where? Like, Tell me where. Like my staff out there, tell me where and I'll be okay. Like I get that, right? And then all of a sudden one day I was reading the, uh, a book. I was reading The Enlightened Gardener. I have no idea where, you know, people ask me today, like where did it come from? I said, I don't, I don't remember. Uh, I, I must have had it from when I was working with Jack back in the day. And I was reading it and I saw that like everything I was doing was pulling me away from me. You know, and I was trying to follow everybody else's way. They talked a little about the guru. Like, if I follow your way, I'll be okay. If I follow your way, if I do A, B, C, D, I'll be And what I've learned from watching my staff here and watching our clients is that this is not something that anyone can tell you what to do. It is something that once you... And we can't tell our clients what to do. We start telling them how to do this. We pull them away from themselves. They, they no longer are, are with themselves, sharing from them. They're trying to share what we speak, right? So, you know, it, it, for me, it became very clear that the only thing we needed to, to do was just keep pointing back to how amazingly healthy. And Chris talks about it and, and, and um, Mindy about, I have had more clients come to me and say the thing that changed my life was just hearing I'm not broken. Like I was able to, I was able to sit with your people and hear um, I'm not broken. That has been a, a theme. If you looked at our surveys, and you're more than welcome to welcome to share them with you, but because uh, they don't have names on them, I wasn't the convincing factor here uh, when I said this is going to be great. Let's do it. But what was, and I just thought of it now, was the the surveys. Yeah. So the, the staff started reading the surveys. The clients are going, "This is good. This is like this is making a difference." How we had. They were the ones who convinced the staff, maybe we need to take a second look. So they really saw it. And if you think about it, in 30 days, they see more than some staff who've worked a, a year. Right. They're really immersed. Yes. They're immersed, and they, they also, um, you know, when you, I think, just know that nothing's working, you're like, okay, let me be open-minded, you know, because I just came from the streets. I have nothing left, you know. I know that was how it was for me. I was, you know, homeless, two kids, lost them. It was a, it was a disaster. But... I was open-minded. I would have done, you know, whatever you thought I should do. And today we're not telling them what to do. We're saying, you know what, you can even go to AA, but you're going to know how to, what's going to work for you at AA because you're going to have a good sense of what works for you, not what people at AA tell you to do. And so they go in with that open mind, but they don't go in with, I have to do this this way or I won't be successful. I have to go to 90 meetings, 90 days, or I'll drink. They go in and go, yeah, I'm a little of this, a little of that, but let's go have coffee. Yeah. You know, and they really, they build that social uh, group. So we've seen a lot of things happen, but um, I think one of the things that for me is, is real clear is, you know, we, 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 don't, we don't talk about 
history a lot because um, it's a memory, and we try to teach them that, you know, that's what it is, and, and there's not a lot you can do about a memory. You can't change it. For, for our clients, they've spent most of their life telling people their story over and over and over and over and over and over and getting just diagnosed and medicated and, and uh, feeling like... Um, so I really don't have a lot of time for it. I don't want, I don't want to do that to them anymore. So I'm, I'm very open to just, you know... I'll say, is that, yeah, that's, is that happening, like, now? Like, or, or I'll say, like, how long ago did that happen? Oh, 20 years ago. <clears throat> like, wow, 20 years ago. Can you feel it right now happening? Oh, yeah, I'm like, so, like, you don't even know. Every time I think of this for 20 years, and I'm like, oh, wow. And, and it's about your dad? Yeah, yeah, he was a son of a bitch. You, uh, I'm like, yeah. But I don't see him here. No, but you feel it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's bad. So I'd give them a little, you know, just a little time. And this just kind of something that happened between me and actually it was a staff that was struggling, not a client. But my staff were all, most of them were recovery too. So we, I feel like I get to, you know, still do what I love. And finally she was like, holy shit. I'm talking about something that happened 20 years ago with you right now with the same feeling I had. He's dead. You're not him. And I have no idea where I am right now. Like, it was like, I was like, yeah. And she has, like, it's a totally different person. She's a totally different staff. She's like all about, she's like, I can't even believe what happened in five minutes in your office. And I was like, yeah. Like, who knew? You know, like, I had no idea. She was, you know, can I talk to you for five minutes? I get those all day. Can I talk to you for five minutes? Yeah, I, I don't get a lot of work done, no, but they, they, they know where to shove me in the building. Like, send her down there and she'll sit there for a while. Yeah. So that, that's kind of one of my, you know, I, I, and I do, I share my own pain. Like, if I'm in, like, struggling with whatever it looks like, I don't care. I have, you know, that's just that's who I am, human being. I got my own stuff and... And do I still have bad days and get tense and stressed? And yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Am I a lot gentler on myself about it? And does it last? Doesn't even last like half, not even quarter of the time it used to last. I can see very quickly that what I'm doing is um, is a thought. And I, I find myself in little trances sometimes. I'll be brushing my teeth and I'll be thinking about what I have to do here. I'm like, whoa. I wasn't even there. I was like working while I'm brushing my teeth. Like I gotta pay. That's like a place to pay attention. So I go to get my toothbrush the next day. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm staying with this toothbrush thing. I'm not. I'm not going there because that's work and that's not for two more hours. I'm gonna enjoy this toothbrush thing. So. Thank you. Um, it would benefit everyone. I think your initial question was. Do I think you're like just reaching or crazy or think that this can work? Or you said something like that about. I think it's. I think it is. I am ready to come (laughs) work part time for you. (laughs) 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 I am. I am just so in awe of the whole idea that um, I. I have the thoughts that create my world, and so used to it coming at me or thinking that's how it came at me. and it's sustainable. It's a sustainable thing because the answers are from within. So, yes, you can ask 100 people if they like your shoes, 
But ultimately, if you like them, that's all that matters. Like there's so many things that I think of while I'm facilitating groups about what it is that really matters. It's my opinion. It's what I think. But I think I've asked so many people so many times to validate that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that we get in a in a mode that we want other people to either co-join with us or we're looking for acceptance or we're looking for validation. Um, a lot of the clients, most clients that I've worked with, unfortunately, have a low self-esteem. They don't believe that they have the ability to look within sometimes. Um, so just hearing that they have it seems to be enough until they start a program or they succeed and graduate a program and go on to doing groups in another, you know, in a recovery center in the community or they come in and they're so excited that they recognize an example of when they were able to uh, – give me an example of their, their inner peace or their serenity or their innate wisdom. So for me, the reward is, of course, coming to work every day and, and seeing people sustain and they start realizing that they can trust their choices now because they haven't made good ones in the past for so long that they're continuing to look outside of themselves. So it's a little bit of self-esteem. It's a little bit of making the choices that they've made. It's the addiction, the actual medical diagnosis of an addict, addicted brain. Um, and when I look at the holistic approach to treatment, which I teach or facilitate groups a lot, I say to them, look, you are not your addiction. You're the son or daughter of someone. You're the husband or wife of someone. You have children. You go to the gym. You used to like to play ice hockey. You used to love to fish. You're, you're an employee. You used to own a home. They realize that the addiction, it, it just affected so much of their life. And then again, with the resiliency examples, they forget they've had hard times before and have come through and, and done well. So yes, I think if everyone um, was uh, refamiliarized with this idea that um, they have what they need, their innate wisdom, their human operating system from birth, which we all share, um, they they would definitely. I think we would all um, live in a better world, and I do think it's a it is one solution. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Every client that comes in here always has the same question for me. How should I be living, right? How do I deal with my pain, shame, my guilt? What do I do about my addiction? What should I do about aftercare? And we talked a lot about analogies and how they're helpful. I use the analogy of if you didn't know how to tell time, you could ask me what time it was, and I could tell you, but... 15 minutes later, you'd be wondering what time it is again. Wouldn't it make more sense just to explain to you how time works and what the big hand does, what the little hand does, the gears, the batteries? And then you always have a deeper understanding of time and you no longer need me. So that's what I tell the clients. They don't actually, when I don't have all the answers, my job becomes much simpler and they get much more out of it. When they realize that they just need to know how they're experiencing things, know how to tell time, well, life becomes much simpler for them. And my job becomes much easier, too, because I don't feel the stress of having to have all the right answers for them. I can just kind of be with them and wait for their answers to come to them. I just have to point in a direction and just wait for them to look there. So, yeah, I have had clients that have had 
severe anxiety disorders. They're having two to three panic attacks a week. And they come through this program and they stop having panic attacks. And they're not on any medication. I haven't given them any tools, any skills, any exercises, any grounding techniques. It just stops happening. And it's happened in people with suicidal depression the first time they sit down with me. And they leave here, and they're not scoring for depression anymore. It happens so consistently, I expect it now. And I forget how odd that is, because I worked in the mental health system, and I've worked with clients for three, four years, and they're in and out of the state hospital, and they're suicidal again, and they're on this medication, that medication. I forget how miraculous this is that they have been able to change that in such a short period of time. And I didn't do much at all other than just kind of point in a direction that they already knew. So that gives me hope that as this continues to grow in the state of New Hampshire, people are going to start to see it that way. And I do. Um, It's funny because, well, Cheryl came into the meeting and said, I think that this is the end of all psychological suffering. And I was ready to walk out. (laughs) That kind of pissed me off. I just got my master's degree in this. <laughs> right, right. But today, I don't hesitate to say that. It's, I think you were right. I, I didn't, it wasn't like uh, something I thought was a good thing to say. I knew it in that moment for me that I had suffered only because of my thinking and trying to figure out the why. And for me personally, right, like, you know, 20, 25 years sober thinking, you know, everybody's like, you should be perfectly fine and happy. But honestly, I just still knew there was something missing in me. And I wanted I wanted something that was going to make me feel better. And, and I knew in that moment it was just I was the only one that was, it was just me and my thinking causing me problems. And when I realized that, oh, there was a peace that I'll, I'll never forget. And and it just has increased over the over the time that we've been doing this and and listening to everybody and I I, I see the clients all the time and the, you know the things they say to me I, I just I, I'm humbled I'm humbled on a regular basis by you know how how the staff teach and how the how the clients speak about this and there's not much to say really it, it comes down to because they have they they're saying it all and, and they're saying it for them. So they really don't need to, to hear me, you know. I don't I don't need to say much except listen. Yeah. And do I, I think this is a solution to so many more things in the opioid crisis? I think that's you know yes, 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 and 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 so many more things. Um, I I totally believe it would solve all you know all world peace would be simple. No, but I love that you said what you said about you see it as even bigger than the opioid crisis it's it's that and and everything like one of the things that became really clear to me when we pointed our minds in this direction was like everything every problem we see is a symptom of psychological suffering every last one of them and drug addiction is just one symptom of psychological suffering and violence is another and da 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 so on and so forth and all of the um conflict in the world is a symptom of so it just I don't know there's something 
I love seeing you guys because you're another example. You're more proof in the pudding. It's like the pudding just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger for me. And the proof is in the pudding that if you can end psychological suffering and, you know, you had a lot more experience in the field than I did, but I had enough. You know, I had four years of undergrad and two years of grad. And the idea that psychological suffering is way less complicated than it looks and it can be solved in your point relatively quickly by pointing people to something they have within them already, it's not a huge job. It's not yours to try to fix for them. It's revealing something that's universally inbuilt. Like That, that just makes so much sense once it's pointed out. Right. And I just get goosebumps thinking, yeah, Psychological suffering, if you can treat that, turns out it's not that hard, then all these symptoms start to dissolve. And honestly, when do we sit and talk about how amazing people are in, in this field? It's like, you know, I, I, people, in, in, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done therapy, I have. Oh, I have. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I have, I have. And, you know, like, I'm getting ready to go see my therapist, and I'm like, okay, i got to remember what, what bad has happened this week. What's my struggles? What's my trauma? What's my problem? I'm going into that office. i got to have I bet, This is my time. I go in and I dump all. None of that got fixed. It couldn't get fixed. It was all past. It was all future. It was all, there was nothing. But we'd have a discussion about it. We'd talk about it. And it did nothing to help me find me. And, and, and no, you know, she was wonderful. She was doing everything she knew. And what I was going to say earlier was about the whole idea of I started seeing in, in TV the problems with like, you know, you'd see somebody be like, oh, I'm so sad, and they'd be crying, and it was something that happened. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's it, that's it, that's it. You know, like the whole idea of they're thinking about something that happened in the past, they're really sad, and this is how the movie's about this. And I realized, like, that's what's happening in world politics, that's what that's what's happening, right? Like somebody has a thought, they get upset, they don't let it go, they're going to retaliate, or they're going to, you know, tell their buddy, and they're going to distort together, and then they're going to go after somebody else, and it's all all the same. And so, yes, there is one solution: is people being able to see that it's only their thinking, whether it's in politics or or or, um, you know, and I see it. <laughs> New Hampshire's small, we're very fortunate, you know, we get to know everybody, but you get to see it, you know, and, um, you know, love is really what, you know, somebody said that today, I forget who it was, oh, my nurse practitioner, she started like a week ago, and uh, she said, I said, oh yeah, thank God you're here, I don't know nurse language, she goes, they just need love, right, like, that's all they need, is love, all of them, and uh, you can just... I was ready to cry because I've been running that unit myself for a while, so she's here. But, uh, yeah, it's just love and and that it's so hard for people to give that so easily, right? I can tell you what's wrong with me, what's wrong with you, but to be able to say, hey, I love you. I just love you. There's nothing about, you know, just who you are as a person. Um, That's not something that's natural to us yet, but I believe it will be. I hope it I don't have any more questions, but what I would say is, and you can share if you have any last ones, but like what I think is amazing is not only like the, the kind of the intervention piece of what you're saying, like when people come, they have been struggling to come to you and they get help. That's one thing. But what I'm interested in too is like the prevention piece. Like how do we, 
uh, we, we reckon it with the immune system. How do we strengthen the immune system so that we don't get the same amount of sickness that we get right now? In, or the same effects that we have right now, like addiction or crime. or And, and the, trick, the tricky thing we have is that you can't really measure something that isn't created and then taken away. You know, like we often measure if somebody gets addicted, how much can we help people who are addicted? But we can't measure how many people avoid addiction because they're starting getting happy before they get addicted. So it's much harder to... Uh, kind of do that unless but I think it's really important that we also look in the direction of like really how do we share those things that you're talking about to people before they go a hundred steps down a a dark path whatever path that is and we we begin earlier but I I think they need to hear exactly the same thing Uh, we just need to tell them earlier we just need to share it wider earlier faster with more people that same message because it's 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 huge and it's so hopeful. I um I have a son who um I talk at home and um he's very funny because sometimes I'll be in a discussion with him about something that he wants to do and I'm not particularly into what it is he wants to do and he'll just turn around and say, But that's your separate reality, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> and he's very he's very yeah, you know, a little bit of knowledge, you know. And and he, he knows what, what my my job is, what our work is here. And um he he's very he's very funny because I'll have conversations with him about um bullying or peer pressure. He's at that age and I think about how nice it would be to have a curriculum like this in a, in a school, in all the schools, along with um, the requirements like algebra, which he says, I don't know why I need it. And I look at him and I say, I don't know either, but I had to do it too. And I wasn't good at it. So just do it, you know, and just pass the grade, you know. So I think if you're speaking to like how in the masses to get this, like a, a somehow not taking away the individuality of, Understanding how everything comes from, you know, our innate health, but explaining that um, we have what we need within ourselves in the human operating system in in a classroom, like a a broad stroke uh, curriculum that we could just like just pan out to all the schools and education at a younger age um, with sexuality, with you know, all drug abuse and misuse, and I think um, it would go a long way. I'm not sure if you've actually done that or thought of it or are working with populations already. I think bullying would not exist. I was a very I was very badly bullied in the fifth and sixth grade and I think what if the people who were doing that didn't need to do that? Like they had an idea about what what were they thinking? What what were their thoughts in that? What what how what it impacted had on me and my life and, and so I think it would solve a lot of the the problems earlier on, like self-esteem, bullying, peer pressure, and um, that that's that's my thought. And then just sort of like plant that seed that you don't have to. You can say you know uh, it's okay and believe in yourself more than because the things that we have in our mind that we create in our thoughts, we're the writers, the the directors, the editors. We we it's all going on in here, but not out there. And uh, yeah, I think just getting it out and at you know to as many people as possible at a young age, I think they understand that better because we use kids as examples of resiliency. 
I always say it, um, if it looks like the darkest day and, you know, it's been raining prolonged days, you know the sun is in the sky. You don't question that, just like your innate health and your innate wisdom. You may not feel like think you have it or feel you have it, but it's there. It's, like, it's become like my best little buddy. And they get that analogy with the sun in the sky. You don't see it, but you know it's there. So that's my thoughts. Just a little different take on that. I believe that children, three, four, five, up to ten, understand much better than adults do. They don't have the language for it, but they live it. And if we can encourage them with what's right with that at a younger age so they don't lose that, we're not reinventing the wheel, right? So I think teachers, parents need to learn that innate health and what it looks like in the human operating system and see that health in their children and encourage that and nourish that instead of trying to start when they're 24 and in their first rehab. There was a question in the session about what do we, how do we um, bring this out to aftercare? How do we make this happen in other places? And I was like, oh, I have the answer to this one. It's already happening. It's happening organically. There's people leaving here and starting groups. And they'll, they'll email me or they'll call me. It's like, hey, I started a group. What do I do now? I was like, you, you'll figure it out. Don't worry. I tried to make that happen. I had five or six people who graduated here. We were meeting here every Sunday to talk about it, to try to figure out what to do next. And it was a disaster. <laughs> I, could not, I could not make it happen. As soon as I gave up, as soon as I let it happen organically the way it was going to happen, it, it's working out great. Yeah. You guys are amazing. Yeah. Is there anything we can do to help you? Thank you so much. We just thank you. Yeah, thank you for taking the time.